I mean, I can talk about Teslas for a minute. Oh, God. I'm not sure I want to start a conversation about <laughs> Tesla on the internet, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest with you. No, just my experience from Saturday. Oh, where well, you saw... When you messaged that, so I was in Edinburgh, and uh, and you messaged me saying that you'd seen some Teslas for the first time. And just as I received that, there was a Tesla, like, driving by me. <laughs> and I was tr- I couldn't get a picture in time to send you, because that would be funny. But yeah, there was you a Tesla. You know what? This conversation is happening right now, and we're having it. Brilliant. So I sent you a message when I saw the first one. Oh, this is going to need... If this is going to go in, this needs context, doesn't it? This needs context. Oh, oh, horrible context. So it would have been on the way back from RoboNerd? It needs a lot of context, doesn't it? Yeah, so on the way back from RoboNerd, for whatever reason, we were talking about Teslas, and I made a comment that they were quite common, and then you said you'd never seen any. And then we proceeded to see zero Teslas on the way home, which was annoying. Yeah, so I had never seen a Tesla on the road. I'd seen them parked up, seen them in dealerships, all of that. Never saw them on the road. And the key thing that you said in that that stuck with me is, oh, they're really easy to notice. (laughs) Because they don't have any air intake on the front. You're like, oh, yeah, they're really easy to spot. You know, it's almost distracting when one comes the other way. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait until I see one in the wild. So I was on the way to a football match this Saturday. One of our longest trips, probably about two hours each way. And the guy who's driving points out, oh, there's a Tesla in front of us with an awful personalised number plate. And I'm like, ha ha ha, that is a terrible personalised number plate. And as we overtake it, I look in the mirror to get a look at the front of it. It's like, yeah, that's that's fairly distinctive, but it, it's still quite similar to a lot of other cars. I, I don't think I'd just spot that if it was coming the other way and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> So I send you a message all excitedly, not because I'm excited, because I'm excited for you <laughs> that I've finally seen a Tesla. As I send it, another one comes the other way. <laughs> now, this one, to be fair, was bright orange and green. So my eye was already drawn to it. Oh. it. It was some horrible corporate thing. It wasn't pleasant. Brutal. So my eye's drawn to that, and I'm like, well, I'm going to give that one a pass. It's the, it's the colour scheme, not the actual sort of styling of the front that got me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how long ago it was, how long it was after that, I sent you another message because I'd seen a third one. (laughs) At that point, I stopped sending you messages when I saw them. How many do you think I saw over the course of this four-hour round trip? Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, So you told me about three, and I'm not sure if this is like one of those mind games where how many you saw was three, and you're just asking I'll give you a clue. It wasn't three because I saw a fourth one not long after sending the third message. Oh, dear. I don't know. Six, maybe? Eleven. Eleven? Eleven Teslas. <laughs> They're common. Evidently they are, yeah. I've started seeing a lot of Model 3s now. I was say, there was one I saw that was different. One that looked a bit more like what I think people would call an SUV. Yeah. Like I, a bit 4 by 4 Yeah, it's a Model X. And that one really stood out to me. Yeah. That's the one with the gullwing doors. Oh. <laughs> See, that is quite cool. The gullwing doors are so divisive. Like some people are like, I I think they're quite cool. And obviously like Elon Musk does too. But a lot of people just absolutely hate them. I just, it's just so frustrating to me that after you said they were so easy to spot. And after I'd seen that one, I was laughing with the other guy in the car about, yeah, I've got quite a friend. He says they're really easy to spot, but I I just don't see it. (laughs) And then, why do you do these things to me? (laughs) <laughs> you infected me with Elon That's what you've done I'm sorry But also not sorry Oh well That's our non-robot quota for the episode <laughs> This has been a tough one to get prepared for Because we've got 
a lot of interesting fights. Not all of them necessarily for good reasons. But we, we've had to pick and choose, as we always do. I don't, I don't have the usual confidence in our selection of fights today, I'll be honest. There are some good fights that we're skipping. So some of the fights that we're skipping are fights that are that don't don't tell us anything new about anything that I feel like would be a repeat conversation, which is why we're skipping them. Yeah. We're already going to be having the same judges' decision conversations again. Yeah. But the weird thing is we have actually gone for a couple of short fights for once. Yes. Which normally we don't do. We've like shied away from them. But the short fights we've got are pretty good short fights. Should we jump in? We should start with episode 15 and uh, Sawblaze versus Son of Waiachi. This was nice. This was very nice, this fight. You, you're you not a big fan of Son of Waiachi, are you? No, and I still can't explain why. <laughs> I don't dislike full-body spinners, but there's something about Son of Waiachi that just seems... This is a word I don't like, but I'm going to use it because it's all I've got. It seems kind of cheap. Cheap? As a way of doing a spinner, and obviously not in the literal sense. There's something about it where, even though it's more complicated than a full-body spinner, and more compromised in many ways than a full-body spinner, there's something about it that just goes, oh yeah, there's no finesse to that. (laughs) There's no finesse to a full-body spinner. Exactly. There's less finesse to a full-body spinner. (laughs) They've made the challenge harder for themselves in the way they've built this, yet somehow it flicks a stupid switch in my brain that shouldn't be there. You, You baffle me, you really do. I found this fight quite frustrating to watch to begin with because of uh, because of Sawblaze. How so? So I'm no expert on combat robotics and driving robots. But if I had Son of Waiachi pinned against the wall for seven seconds, at some point in there, I would have fired the, ha- the hammer saw over. And it took, so- it took Sawblaze so long to start using their weapon. We're going with hammer saw, are we? Okay, well, well uh, look back around to that one soon. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. I might just change it every time I talk about it. <laughs> the weapon is my current choice. <laughs> Caught minimal controversy. <laughs> it's... I assume that what Jameson's doing with Sawblaze in that configuration is exactly the same as he does with Megatron. His featherweight, I want to say. Don't look at me. I, I've suddenly become really unsure about weight classes. Oh, it's God. like, I've got Beetle down. I'm comfortable with Beetle now. But everything else has gone from my brain. The way he works with that is that he'll tend to drive without the weapon on, because obviously gyroing doesn't really go well with his driving style, or the driving style required to pin an opponent, really. So he'll tend to drive with the weapon off. In the case of Sawblaze, I think he's driving with it kind of idling. And then he'll use the duration of the pin to get it spun up for one hit. Which then also means that by the time he releases and drives away, the weapon is stopped again, rather than it having to kind of wind down slowly and affecting his driving. So I think it's, in a way, it's a really good demonstration of his confidence in his own driving, that he can look at those pins and go, I don't like where this hit's going to land, I'll get another one. Because it seems like if he's going to be hitting the actual weapon of Son of Waiachi, maybe that's something he doesn't really want to tangle with so much. Do you think he's intentionally killing time by trying to keep the pin as long as possible? Because obviously if he, you can pin for a certain amount of time. And so I don't believe that it takes seven seconds for his weapon to spin up. So I don't think he's firing the weapon as soon as he can. I think he's waiting on the weapon. And either, you know, to your point, either he's waiting for the perfect hit 
which is plausible. But I feel like there were a couple of moments in this fight where he had a pretty damn good opportunity and didn't take it. Or if he's waiting till right at the end of how long he's allowed to pin for before firing the weapon. Because as soon as he he brings that weapon over, the pin is going to be lost. So do you think he's sort of trying to maximise the amount of time he's sort of got his opponent pinned? Interesting. I don't know. Because if you could do lots of 10 second pins, that's quite a, I mean, that's a very cheap win, but it's a very, you're not, you're not risking a huge amount. This is a bad example with this particular fight because obviously as a full body spinner, you're risking a lot to get the pin in the first place. But like once you've got it, as long as you sort of like let, let him go briefly for however long it is you need to do and then get back in there, it's sort of like a, I don't know, an interesting approach to a fight, maybe. I don't know if the assumption that it spins up fast is correct. Because it does seem like quite a lightweight disc by the standard. It is very narrow, which means it's not going to have that much weight to it. So it might be that they've intentionally undersized the motors to save weight in general, because obviously a robot like Sawblaze needs to be able to take the first hit. So it could be that they've undersized all of that, knowing that the only time they're going to really get it spun up is when they've got time to do so anyway. It might be they've calibrated the whole thing to be quite a slow spin up, but fast enough and then maximise the amount of weight they can put into the other parts of the robot. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe, I guess it's like, I would imagine it's the same weapon drive motor for both the saw and the and the whatever. Maybe, I don't know. Because- they want very different things. The saw needs torque and lots of it. Whereas this disc, you know, well, again, the argument about whether it's a saw is not what I want to get back into, but... <laughs> It is storing energy. And to get energy stored in a weapon like this is a very different thing to trying to get continuous torque into something. The reason I wonder if it's the same weapon... So so I think their, their other weapon that's not a saw that we'll get to in a minute, I think that is significantly heavier than the saw. So oh, if, yeah. So if they've got the weapon motor for the saw that gets the saw up to speed very quickly and is sized for that, it would make sense to me that then if that's the same motor that it would then take a lot longer for the for the heavier spinning implement to get up to speed that would make sense yeah but it's still kind of i don't know like i'm 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 sure there's a good reason for it you know the people building this robot are not idiots and people driving it are not idiots like there there will be a reason it's just it's just frustrating to watch that's the thing like uh, from a from a uh, from a viewer's point of view it's like Sawblaze has got a pin and a good pin and holds it for ages and then doesn't bring the weapon down, which is weird. They also went for that one move at one point. I don't know how intentional it was. I think with a driver like Jameson, you usually assume that just everything is intentional. Where they had the pin, got the weapon up to speed, and instead of bringing it over the top, they kind of spun it round almost as a traditional vert. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I'm not, again, not sure I quite get why you do that. I wonder if that, again, was just a question of We've got all this momentum in the disc. It's going to affect our driving. Let's at least get it stopped. Yeah, but why not bring it down? That's what it's designed for. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. This is one of the most theoretical conversations we've had in a long time. Yep. I mean, it, in, it, in any case, Sawblaze's weapon works. Like, they, they did a great job when they did start using it properly. Like, that, that disc, that thing, that spinning implement is is effective against son of Waiachi. it was interesting seeing just how different its effect is to scorpios scorpios being the much sort of thicker blade with the single quite blunt tooth yeah which is very clearly about delivering energy 
and they sort of had the fight against Copperhead, for example, where they weren't going through the armour because it's Copperhead. But you could see the force from those blows bouncing the opponent around, doing internal damage. It is very clear that the weapon on Sawblades is designed to do that visible external damage first. Mm. And in this case, that also translated into quite significant internal damage. Yeah, that happens when you slice right through the body of a very compact robot. You're pretty much always hitting something good. You're going to hit something important when you do that, yeah. I think this fight also, though, is just another another triumph of the Sawblades wedge. Or just another demonstration of why horizontals aren't nearly as popular as verts now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's the wedge. I think it's it's good driving as well, obviously. Like that plays a big I think just having having a beefy wedge isn't enough with a horizontal. You need to be able to 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 use it effectively. And in this case, using it effectively of course meant the most egregious false start in the history of the sport <laughs> for which the whole team should be taken outside and shot. <laughs> that seems maybe a bit extreme, but uh but yeah, there are, there are a lot of there are a lot of early starts, I think in uh, in BattleBots at the moment. Are there, though? Have you noticed many going through and just not said much? There are enough that it's not just this one instance, you know? It's like, I feel like there have been other times where I've sort of maybe mentioned it in passing to you, but it's a thing that I've noticed. Um, I mean, it's it's fine. Like, you know, it's not it's, it's not as if anyone's starting, like, multiple seconds ahead of time, but it's just, you know, it's just that anticipation of the, of the green light and people, you know, determined for the box rush and stuff. So I... I get why it happens, and it's not it's not too egregious. But I think there have been been a bunch, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I also don't want to try and make claims that it's that it's more more of them than usual or fewer of them than usual. It's just I happen to have noticed it a bit more this time for whatever reason. I must admit, now you're talking about it, I do remember something about a couple of spinners potentially starting to spin up a bit early. Yeah, Gigabyte started spinning early in one fight. Ah, I had Gigabyte in my head, but I wasn't certain enough to name and shame. I'm doing it. I'm naming and shaming. <laughs> that's all you're here for the name and shame it's well known that that's what i that's what i do you know you then of course have got the supposed late hit this, this this fight just had loads of weird stuff going on oh yeah the uh the hit after the buzzer or was it i mean it just plain wasn't <laughs> such a weird obviously I'm, I'm i'm trying now to avoid talking too much about the edit of the show but that's pretty egregious, that is. That's just straight up making something up and making a team look bad doing it. That's the thing that really gets me about it, is that, that, is that doing that edit has, has repercussions for the teams involved. And, it's re- and the teams involved have no... To, it's my understanding. They don't really have any control over the edit. And so it's... Yeah, I just think it's rubbish to sort of to do that because... The obvious repercussion of that is that the team involved is is going to get feedback on that and be like, oh, you went in for a late hit, you're a terrible person, when they didn't. And it isn't like we had, last season, for example, we had Ice Wave kind of get a bit of a late hit on Yeti, where it was like, yeah, that clearly did happen and was evidently an accident. You can understand there being a line of commentary about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, did they honestly think there had been a late hit in the moment and it just got used that way? Or is this something that they've added afterwards? I don't I don't know. And do we I mean, I'm gonna raise the other point quickly. Do we know that it wasn't a late hit? Uh one of the guys that does all the photography 
has a couple of photos of that hit taking place with the clock in the background on like 258. Okay. Because <laughs> what I can't think of is what the motivation is from production to do that. I mean, the cynical answer is drama. I know, but like, if you're going to cause... Do they have any... I don't know if they have any sort of like bad guys on this program, but like, if they do, it's not Jameson Go, is it? They've always tried to sell Ray as a bit of a bad guy. Yeah, so it's sort of like the thing. The thing that I don't get is like if you're gonna if you want to manufacture some drama out of a ostensibly late hit, you want to do that with someone that's got a that's got the on-screen persona of being a little bit of a rule breaker or something or a bit of a bad guy, you know. But like, I don't feel like Jameson has that. You did have the whole thing in the overhaul fight last season where there was a bit of trash talk going on. This also just occurred to me that like three or four episodes ago, we had him getting a birthday cake. Because like, <laughs> those two things don't really go together. Yeah. You can't sing happy birthday to a guy and then make him the villain. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, this is why I don't understand the motivation. It's like, why why portray Sawblaze as a villain in this case? And, and then nothing nothing's come of that. Unless they're, I don't know if they're preparing for something next season. Maybe will there be a payoff? Will they, are they like starting a story?